You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Josh Long, Legal and Regulatory Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West. Good afternoon. We're at Supply Side West here with George Pontiacos and Mike Wagner of BI Nutraceuticals. And we're going to talk about a, an issue that not many people are talking about today, CBD. Now, that's my lame attempt at humor. We had an all-day CBD uh, session yesterday at Supply Side West. Uh, Mike participated in that. George, we were just talking off the record, and you were talking about innovation in the dietary supplement industry and how it's really stagnating with the exception of CBD. You want to elaborate on that? Well, if you take a look at the consumer trends right now and, and what's hot in the marketplace, where the buzz is, where people are getting efficacy and, and addressing different attributes, you know, the CBD product lines that are out there are, um, are really dominating the consumer top of mind and the mindset out there. Uh, I think that if you look at the dietary supplement market macro that's out there and you look at the publicly traded companies that provide their numbers, the tablet, capsule, stick pack, classic dietary supplement delivery vehicle is, is a little bit on the stagnant side right now, uh, particularly on the retail level. And you, where you see that, that uh, stagnation being taken up is on the CBD product line, either it's a tincture or a tablet or a pill capsule, um, you know, inserted into some other type of delivery vehicle on a vape side or a uh, cosmetic type solution. How is the CBD industry, though, being innovative? Because there's so many products on the market and, it's, and it can be very difficult to distinguish between products what are they doing that really is innovative? Well, I think what they've gotten is they've picked up a lot of um, buzz, right? They've, it's very trendy, and it does provide, correctly manufactured and correctly sourced, it does provide good attribute and good efficacy for you know, joint pain and um, digestion and calming and you know, the cabinoid, cabinoid product lines and, and, and the assessments of what these products can do for you and these molecules can do for you is still in the infancy stage. So the challenge, I think, in the industry right now is where are you buying this product from? There's a lot of product, you know, 90% of the CBD product made is being made on a benchtop product in a storage unit. It's untraceable, undocumentable. It is not being built to the same standards of CGMPs, paperwork, SQF, and that's where the danger is. Uh, there are very few companies out there that have the business hygiene that have all the controls in place to ensure that what you're providing to the consumer is correct, safe, and efficacious. Thanks, Mike. Let me, let me, let me jump, why don't you jump in here. I've been writing and, and really researching a lot about CBD in the supply chain. Colorado has a really interesting initiative there where they, they've gotten almost 200 stakeholders together to look at the entire supply chain from seed to sale, essentially. And, and George was just mentioning some of, the, some of the potential challenges. Where in the supply chain are you most at risk for adulteration, contamination, so, something so what, like that? So what we see a lot of the time, uh, this is pretty conventional with other botanical extracts, that when you get down to the purified chemical, right, you see a lot of, in the marketplace, the CBD isolate. Um, when you can actually do that level of refinement, it introduces the potential for uh, economic adulteration, right? It's a lot less expensive to use this purified chemical than the more complex botanical extract that's a full spectrum or a broad spectrum. And there's 
efficacy differences between those two types of materials. But it's very easy to purchase an expensive CBD isolate relative to the extract, spike it, and then you're claiming something that you don't necessarily have um, true data to, to back up, that it's working the same way. Thank you. And even before you get to the extraction facility, though, George, where are the risks in the supply chain from the standpoint of potential adulteration, not even economic adulteration, but FDA yesterday said they're investigating potential pesticides, potential can right. well, can contaminants, and CBD. Great points, right? I mean, you're talking about a biomass. You know, a BI, stick stems, nuts, roots, berries, and leaves. So when you're talking about hemp, a vast majority of hemp growers are brand new to the industry. Many of them never grew a tomato in their backyard, let alone had a commercial farming operation. A lot of the money coming in there is new. They're unfamiliar with good hygiene in terms of farming and agricultural practices. They're unfamiliar with the land that they purchased, what was on there before. So you've got pesticides, heavy metals, contaminants, non-GMO product, cross-contamination, all of the problems that have been with that have been cured in the botanical marketplace, where we do have safe grows, we do have non-GMO product, we do have organic product, are now replicating themselves. It's like going back into the 70s and the 80s on botanical products. The hemp market is so new to everybody mm -hmm. that the level of sophistication on many of these growers is truly subpar. In my understanding, too, when we were in that session yesterday, we talked about how the industry is going to evolve, and, and, and we're not going to have people growing, you know, 20 acres of hemp. But, but right now, because everybody's so there's so much buzz and everybody's so excited that everybody and anybody wants to be in the business, including growing this stuff, like you're saying. And they don't have the experience. Do we? I mean, are there a lot of people that are growing hemp, farming hemp? that don't know what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people springing up all over the place, all over the country, wherever you're allowed to grow it. And like George was saying, you know, they may not have no experience in an agricultural environment. And in order to produce things that are safe for consumers, it really has to start at the field level. And the market's gonna, the market's gonna cure that, right? If you're a professional grower, you're a professional farmer, you have all of the, you know, the metrics in place to, to grow correctly, to grow safe, to grow a good product, the bad guys, the inexperienced guys are gonna go out of business. Nobody's going to be able to buy their product because it's not going to be acceptable in the market, whether it's going to be too hot on the THC side or we're going to test it and we're going to find that it's got you know, pesticides in it or banned, you know, DDT or something like that. Uh, you're going to ha that, that market will settle out. Good farming practices you know, will move them into the market because the guys that don't know what they're doing are going to go out of business. What do you guys think are the the biggest safety concerns with respect to CBD today? Where are consumers most at risk with these products on the marketplace? So, so one thing I'll say is there's a lot of different delivery formats um, that with a new area of innovation, this is spawning a lot of different delivery formats that may not be fully vetted. Um, from, a, from a technical standpoint, it really matters the way that you're consuming this material, whether it's in a capsule or a tablet or you're doing some kind of vape or some other application. Uh, you've really got to understand how that enters the body and what the bioavailability is of, of the material and the associated ingredients that you have in your formula and then how that affects the body. And then one step further back, 
you're dealing with people who may or may not have the full technical acumen to you know, eliminate residual solvents from their extract. That's a serious concern that we see in other extracts. It applies exactly to this, and when you have inexperienced people doing it, you run that risk. And the, the other aspect I'll comment on, if I may, is that we really don't understand in total how large doses of CBD affect prescriptives and what that does. And you know, we one, BI has a registered pharmacist, Emilio Gutierrez, who's our vice president of technical service, and he gave a really strong presentation um, yesterday at our sales meeting about adverse drug effects on prescriptives, whether it's psychotropic prescriptives that you're taking, blood pressure prescriptives, prescriptives for your liver, and, and you, the consumer needs to proceed with caution in terms of the dosage quantities that they're taking. It can, you know, if you start really, if you're on a prescriptive for your health and well-being and you start overtaking uh, CBD quantities, you could have an adverse reaction with the prescriptive that you're taking. And that, that, that should not happen. Well, you should really be totally dialed in on what that dosage level is, what malady you're trying to uh, address, and how that CBD components will address that malady. Thank you. So, so the trade associations in Washington, D.C., you know, there's some disagreement among them about how FDA should move forward with regulating this versioning space. And do you think the agency should set a dosage limit in a dietary supplement or not? No, I, I don't, you know, I think that the dietary supplement market has done a magnificent job of dosing product to the consumer for 50, 60, 70 years. We've, we've got that down. I don't believe that the gov more government oversight is interesting, but I don't think that I don't think they really should be. I think that what we should have is good science and documentation behind that science that provides the consumer a choice in terms of what they want to take and how they want to take it. Um, I think the FDA should be looking at bad claims. The FDA should be focused on adulteration. The FDI, we were very much in favor of making a schedule, what is it, a five drug, schedule five drug for isolate, because we think that the real issues are and the real dangers are in the isolate itself. We think that there's an opportunity for adulteration is rampant. We feel that a lot of the companies, even on the floor today, are pushing isolate out the door that they don't even know where it came from. And the other challenge that you have is, even on the soft extract side, a lot of these people are aggregators. So they're buying you know, stuff, multiple lots, from multiple different locations, not knowing where it came from. They're a broker of you know, product that they have no documentation beyond a single sheet of paper and a certificate of analysis. And you cannot bet your business on a sheet of paper and say, oh, I have a C of A, it says something. Half these guys are working out of a Starbucks. They don't have no office, they don't have any quality lab, they don't have any hygiene going back to the seed. They are com operating out there completely beyond the pale of any acceptable hygiene within that market to deliver a safe product to the consumer. And that, in my opinion, is where the FDA should focus. Claims and the isolate side, to, to prevent that adulterated product from getting into the consumer. It's interesting you mentioned the C of A's, because yesterday, I remember uh, during our CBD session, talking about how C of A's are read differently, they're often misinterpreted, they're often misrepresented. Mike, any thoughts on, on, on the limitations of those? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. There, there's a lot of concerns too, especially as the technology develops about limits of detection, right? So you see information from different labs who prepare materials differently to do their analysis. So it's really not an apples to apples comparison 
um, when you're looking at all these labs that are springing up in order to provide this information. So like George is saying, really, you have to deal with a facility or a, a company that can really pass an audit, that you can really understand where their information is coming from, so you can make the right decision um, for your particular product. Uh, if, you're, if you're buying, Josh, if you're buying CBD product today and putting it into your marquee, your entrepreneurial wealth vehicle, your business, and you don't know where this is coming from, you don't know or have not visited that facility, you haven't audited their documentation, their paperwork, you are, you know, you're pointing a gun in your head and run, trying not to run the bullet. You cannot bet your business on a singular sheet of paper where you don't know who developed the data, where the data came from. You have to go, you have a responsibility fiduciarily to protect your business and make sure that your infrastructure, your command structure within that business has gone out and audited that supplier. Actually, I remember hearing a gentleman yesterday at the CBD summit say something like, and I live in Colorado, I think you do too, George, yeah. say something like, uh, Somebody asked a guy, uh, where do you get your stuff from? And he, and, he, and he came up with a city in Colorado that didn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. this is the level of sophistication that's out there. And look, the product works. There are many benefits to the, the chemical attributes that are within this hemp product. The challenge is, and it really is not on the supplier, it is on you, the buyer. You have the responsibility to ensure that you are bringing in product that's correct. And you cannot hide behind, legally or ethically or morally, behind a singular sheet of paper on a CVA whose lab component may or may not even be accurate or may have not even been sent to a lab. George, I'm gonna, I thank you for that. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because you said the products, you know, the products work, and I'm starting to do some research. And, and we know that there's a lot of claims about what the products do. Um, but when you start going to clinicaltrials.gov and you start looking at the trials that have been conducted, most of the trials, most of the research that's been conducted has looked into diseases, which as we, we all know here at the table, you can't, you can't sell a supplement to treat a disease, that's, that's, a, that's a prescription drug. And, and there's very little research so far, it's emerging, that demonstrates in random controlled trials, that CBD helps with sleep, helps with anxiety, helps with some of these conditions that you're allowed to say are used to, 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 uh, for, for dietary supplements. So here's my question, there's 1,700, 2,000 products out there on the market, SKUs out in the market. In five years are we going to say, hey, that CBD thing was interesting and now we're on to something else? Or is this thing here to stay, George? Here to stay. You know, the way to judge a market is obviously you know the science behind it and the clinical trials, but that does take time. The way to judge a trend is how many people are using it and reusing it. You can package a product out there and you can get a famous celebrity to hold it up in front of a store and you'll get a, you'll get a pop, but this is no pop. This is a massive, exponentially growing market that is disrupting the health and wellness segment that the Dietary Supplement Foundation was built on right now. And I think that it is, uh, the benefit that you see anecdotally is from the, the, the reorders and the usage of people and, and, and the benefit that they have perceived they're accurate, but they are reordering it. And this stuff is not cheap out there. It's, you know, it's, it's market driven. And uh, I think that's one of the ways that you really determine in terms of, you know, do people reorder it? Yeah, they're, they're buying more and more of it. I'm buying it for my pets. You know, we, you know, all three dogs are taking it, and I can tell you anecdotally that they are far better off from a joint perspective and from an energy perspective than they were without it. 
I, I think it also takes time to really develop the efficacy side. I mean, a lot of the studies that you see naturally tend towards using the purified isolate to demonstrate the effect of the material, but there's enough information out there to show that purified isolate doesn't really have the same effect as the, you know, the full spectrum extract. You, you see the entourage effect talked about all the time, that really the additional uh, chemical components in the full extract have a modifying effect that the isolate alone may not actually be able to achieve. So it takes time to kind of really sort out the right material to study in order to uh, develop the, um, you know, the efficacy studies. Thank you, Mike. One final question, we'll leave it there. Um, George, how do you see the market evolving? Do you, do you think that it's going to shrink in terms of the number of players, the number of ingredient suppliers, the number of finished product brands? everybody in the supply chain, you know, farmers. Um, is it going to shrink significantly, get bigger? What do you see happening? I think it's going to mature, uh, like every market, over time. There's going to be, I think, a significant amount of continued growth for, I would say, 18 months to, you know, two years, three years, and then it's going to mature. And you're going to see stabilization. You're going to see um, brands that are going to survive and thrive. You're going to see brands that were not as correctly made or didn't provide that efficacy or wasn't able to capture mindshare. And I think it's uh, right now, you're talking about a land grab and a race, and those that are in it today, you know, may not be there tomorrow when the bigger players decide to come in. You know, you don't have, you don't have the large publicly traded companies in there for the most part right now in terms of nationwide product distribution. Uh, as soon as that hits the floor, then the landscape will change again and you're going to start seeing a lot of acquisitions beyond just the land uh, into companies that have market share regionally that give large nationwide and global companies that footprint in quickly. It's going to be a, um, I think it's going to be a very, it's a very magnificent time to be within this health and wellness space with, with, this, with these products. All right, we're going to leave it there. You just heard from uh, Mike Wagner and George Pontiacos of BI Nutraceuticals. We're at Supply Side West in Las Vegas talking about CBD. Big surprise there. Thank you very much, gentlemen. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West. 